Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fifth episode of Digital Downtime. Been doing this for over a month, man. Time flies, eh? I'm your host, Gilly. And before we get into a lot of a lot of news in the gaming world lately, uh, I just wanted to say to everyone, I uh, hope you have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and whatever else you celebrate. Um, it's time of the year is special for a lot of people, happy for a lot of people. Uh, hard slash sad for others um so regardless of what you're feeling i hope you enjoy your time the best way possible that's best for you um enjoy the time off from work uh spend it with some loved ones if you can reach out to them just do something you know so just wanted to say that first and foremost Secondly, I just wanted to say thank you for everyone who's been tuning in every week or tuning into a singular episode or listened to part or just even just clicked listen for, you know, a minute, uh, whatever the case may be. I do appreciate just giving me a chance, giving digital downtime a chance. And, um, you know, we started the podcast uh, pretty late in the, into the year here. So I'm hoping 2024 will be a bigger year for growth overall for the podcast and uh I'm starting to look in, I'm starting to look into bringing uh guests uh fellow gamers streamers uh hopefully some developers <laughs> if uh, I hear back from them uh just to bring you more uh you know rather than just me sitting here talking about stuff on my own uh just have a second voice more insight into the industry and uh more opinions and uh exploring uh the other side of you know it's part of gaming but streaming you know this other side of uh what's what it is to be a content creator and whatnot so we'll be diving all into that in 2024 so uh appreciate the patience and i appreciate the support thank you um a lot of things to look at today uh, we're gonna be talking about the last of us online being canceled i know i mentioned uh talked to talked about naughty dog in episode three and how I'm looking forward to the online game. So obviously I have a lot to say about this matter. Obviously we're going to expand on our conversation of Naughty Dog's output for the current PS5 generation. Uh, you know, after hearing about this cancellation. Insomniac got hit uh, by some major leaks. Um, out of respect to them, we're not going to be talking about the, the nature of the leaks. Or the specific details of it. Uh, but more so just the overall view of overview of what got leaked. And uh, how unfortunate it is, um, you know, for the 400 employees that got affected. And uh, my heart and uh, best wishes go out to the team over there. Uh, knowing Insomniac and how long they've been in the gaming space, uh, you know, they'll bounce right back up and have their head on their shoulders as they always do. Bobby Kotick, Activision uh, CEO, uh, finally resigning, which is good news. Let's talk a bit about that. Um, after talking about, you know, these kind of two or three major uh, gaming news, uh, I'll, be, I'll just be talking a bit more about my 2023. Um, I looked at my PlayStation year in review in Nintendo, and uh, not a whole lot there, uh, especially on the PlayStation side. Nintendo is mostly just Tears of the Kingdom and Splatoon. Um, but I'll, looking, I'll be looking at my Steam uh, in review for 2023. Kind of just, you know, majority of my time wasn't spent uh, primarily just on uh, new releases. Uh, but we'll talk a bit about, uh, you know, what I played and what I liked. And just, you know, it's a nice little reflection piece on that. 
then of course, as always, following all that, we will have our Have You Played This segment, which we will be talking about another licensed game. I know we talked about Scarface, The World Is Yours previously, um, and Spawn Armageddon. Uh, and today we'll be talking about another licensed IP in the wake of uh, all these, uh, you know, in the wake of Marvel's Blade getting announced and uh, how Marvel's being more put into the gaming limelight as they're shifting their focus towards gaming more so. So uh, a lot on the agenda uh, and always sit back, relax, and don't go nowhere because we've got a lot to talk about. And thank you once again for tuning into Digital Downtime. So, Naughty Dog's plan for a standalone multiplayer game, The Last of Us Online, after six years of development, faced cancellation in late 2023. The ambitious project lacked a set release date and platform details. The decision, driven by studio priorities, aimed to prevent a shift away from single-player games. And this came uh, on the midst of an update earlier this year, where they said uh, they're scaling down on the project and... uh, the worry there for a lot of people was the game would end up getting uh, shafted slash canceled, which is exactly what happened. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate. So uh, Last of Us Online never really secured a release date or window. Uh, development back uh, development began in 2020, apparently, with the pre-production preceding it, giving it you know that six-year timeline I just mentioned. Uh, you know Neil Neil Druckmann, or as I like to call him Neil Cuckman. Uh, assured us gamers at Summer Game Fest 2022, which is, you know, about a year and a half ago now, um, that there'll be more details. Uh, then in May of this year, of 2023, they announced a delay, citing the need to give the game a bit more time to cook in the oven, followed by the cancellation recently on December 14, 2023. Unfortunate news, really. Um, the reason behind it was... Uh, and a quote or cite uh, Naughty Dog uh, from Naughty Dog is a uh, divergence in priorities as a reason behind the cancellation. Um, they said, you know, balancing the demands of a live service game like The Last of Us Online with the commitment to single player narrative games was deemed unsustainable for the studio. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned in episode three, if you haven't heard it, I don't think any of us were really asking for it to be this big uh, live service game, you know, we, we weren't expecting The Last of Us to be like, you know, following a free to play model like the finals or Fortnite or Halo Infinite and be this law, uh, you know, live action game that's going to, you know, keep going years and years and, you know, battle pass after battle pass and update after update. We just wanted something similar to what factions offered uh, in the original Last of Us and Last of Us Remastered. Um, and I mean, as I mentioned in that, in that, in that episode, episode three, um would have been a perfect time just to attach a multiplayer mode uh with the last of us part two remaster and i just kept it simple simple 4v4 you know obviously support the game with some updates here and there some maps uh but it needed to be nothing crazy just had to be a traditional experience because 
you know, uh, you know, I've mentioned this many times before, the third-person shooter genre, especially in the multiplayer realm of things, is kind of lacking. And uh, it would have been cool because I loved the pace of uh, Last of Us factions and the way the game played and a little slower. You know, um, reminded me of my time with Gears of War. Um, I also enjoyed the Uncharted uh, multiplayer quite a bit. Really, really enjoyed Uncharted 2. Uncharted 2's multiplayer and Uncharted 4. And, like, again, you know, there's nothing crazy. Um, just fun. And, uh, you know, I really missed that era. Where games came with, like, a nice little, like, you know, Uncharted and Last of Us are both great examples. It came with a kick-ass, well-designed, you know, like, 10 to 15-hour single-player campaign. Uh, accompanied, uh, with just some fun basic multiplayer. And, uh, Sony did a lot of that on the, on the PS3. Uh, with the Killzone series and Resistance, uh, RIP to both of those as of uh, as of late, especially Resistance. Um, so I just miss getting those full packages of fun single player, fun multiplayer. Um, but obviously now in the multiplayer realm, the focus is free to play models with high monetization and uh, you know games as a live service. So yeah, just overall disappointed. Um, I understand that. You know, the commitment to single-player narrative games is, is awesome. That's uh, Naughty Dog's bread and butter. That's uh, PlayStation's exclusive first-party bread and butter. If you're looking at what Insomniac's doing with Spider-Man, if you're looking at what Santa Monica's doing with God of War, Sucker Punch, and Ghost of Tsushima, and Naughty Dog and their games. Um, my only concern is, and I'm starting to see conversation about this on Reddit and Twitter, and I know they're both not the greatest place to get gaming opinions, but... Uh, Sometimes there's some insightful conversations there. You just got to look past the fanboyism and uh, typical gamer complaints and whatnot. Is, um, you know, Sony as a whole, PlayStation as a whole, is really doubling down on um, these third-person action-adventure, open-world slash semi-open-world narrative-focused games. Um, some people are dubbing it, you know, like as, you know, B B movies, B-plus, you know, uh kind of movies uh maybe too much focus on the cinema narrative uh and a part of me kind of agrees and um you know they did it on the ps4 era successfully and and and, you know with the last of us tail ending the ps3 and the ghost of shimas and spider-mans and horizons whatever um it worked because it felt fresh especially the god of war reboot i know was blew my mind when i got played through that game because it was fresh um you know just that perspective but even then the memes were starting to rise up right like uh, god of wars is turning into the last of us you know like how joel and ellie was now you have uh, um kratos and uh, artemis i think i i still have to play ragnarok and it's been a but you know kratos and his son so um i think uh the concern and complaints are valid in terms of sony's uh, exclusive first party studio output kind of all being in this same third-person narrative B-movie umbrella. But um, that's their bread and butter. Um, so, like, you know, I don't want anyone attacking me like, hey, man, you really wanted a multiplayer game from Naughty Dog over, uh, you know, what they do best? And that's not what I'm saying at all. I just said it didn't have to be like this big live-action uh, multiplayer commitment, which is, you know making it hard for the studio to, uh, you know, balance the two between a live service and a single player. So, um, yeah, all around just a bummer. Um, you know, the platform details remain undisclosed. I was 
you know the world uh you know the swirling rumors was it was going to be a ps5 pc release cross plat which would have been cool um and as i mentioned earlier you know the original last of us multiplayer was an extension of faction you know originally what this game was when they first announced it was supposed to be an extension of faction of the first game and the last of us part two was promised to have an involved multiplayer experience um and then naughty dog decided hey the project expanding beyond expectations and scope um but they wanted to work it as a standalone release and you know even Druckmann uh emphasized that the scale was going to be comparable to what naughty dog does on the single player side of things and uh, we haven't got concept art. I remember two pieces. One was like a devastated San Francisco. You know, uh, kind of seemed like they were suggesting maybe a third person battle royal, which it would have been cool too. So as Fortnite will continue to dominate that space for the till the end of time. And then the second showcased uh, characters on a decaying cruise ship, cruise ship, armed and equipped for survival. So you know, we were promised a fresh story in San Francisco with a new cast of characters. Um, storytelling approach, you know, I guess it's just all speculation now. It could have been through seasonal updates or other means. Now remain unanswered and undisclosed. Um, and with this cancellation, I mean, the narrative and the fate of these characters remain a mystery. Kind of making, you know, us fans wonder, like, what were the untold tales that Last of Us Online was going to bring? What were these characters' stories and backgrounds and how they fit into this, uh, you know, shitty world, uh, surviving, what would there have been stories, you know, we met all the cool characters, you know, the Bills and the Sams and whatnot and The Last of Us, would have been cool, would have been cool, um, but yeah, just to recap, you know, it's a difficult choice between balancing live service game studio or prioritizing the legacy of their single player narrative games. And uh, the decision ultimately came to prevent resource diversion. So, um, that's my thoughts on that. Um, if you look at Naughty Dog now, they did the Uncharted Legacy Collection, whatever it was, which was the Uncharted 4 remaster and Lost Legacy remaster. So, remaster there for the PS5, Last of Us, Last of Us Part 1 remake for the PS5. And now in January, we're going to have the Last of Us Part 2 remaster as well. So you're noticing a trend here with Naughty Dog and their current output on the PS5. Um, so here's hoping they do produce and release something during PS5's run here. But what I'm sensing is going to be something similar to the original Last of Us where it comes at the tail end of the generation. And then it gets remastered again for what I would suppose be the PS6 because why would Sony name it anything different? So that's that. Switching gears a bit, a uh, little bit, not necessarily. Still talking about Sony's first party studios. Insomniac Games suffered a significant chunk of their future games, earnings, and personal information leaking online. So once again, my heart goes out to all the devs, 400 plus, getting their personal info leaked online. That's probably the worst part of this and their earnings and uh, kind of their roadmap. Um, Sleek comes from a previous series of events where the hacker group known as Residia or Reseda, who cares, man? Bunch of fucking losers. Uh, acquired confidential information from Insomniac Games using ransomware on December 12, 2023, and demanded 50 Bitcoin, which is an estimated value of about 2 million. 
Within a week, otherwise they would release all they had gained access to public publicly. Uh, the ransomware attack was found out by Sony. However, it unfortunately seems that they were unable to circumvent the situation. Therefore, um, the big leak happened. This unfortunately lays out Insomniac's roadmap all the way up until 2035. So like 12 years, over a decade. And again, not going to go into the details of the games and whatnot. And personal information on the developers, which is uh, which is shitty. Um, so regardless, I've seen the speculation on Twitter. Um, whether the information is intriguing, fun, or exciting to you. Just remember, it's 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 really important to remember that the, what has been leaked is confidential. Their developers, Insomniac, whose hard work was not only revealed early, but also ruins the element of surprise and reveals as gamers, you know, when we watch the Summer Game Fest now or the Game Awards or other, you know, uh, PlayStation showcases or, you know, whatever the case may be. Very, very unfortunate. Um, but they're the ones personally dealing with the repercussions of their personal information, like like their passports and addresses being readily available by anyone anywhere. So just keep in mind of that when you're out here spreading of all this. Um, yeah. So a lot was leaked. Uh, Somniac's roadmap of future IPs and licenses, all their future projects up to 2035. Uh, Somniac's budgets and revenues, PlayStation Studios, Steam sales, and Somniac's projected sales information on the company and then obviously uh, a lot about marvel's wolverine uh that's the only game i'll talk about because it's the only one that's been previously revealed and announced um but from marvel's wolverine we had character and scenes concept arts leaked missing playtesting footage gameplay and combat playtesting footage the characters list and cast playable builds which is absolutely crazy the development and release roadmap a drawn couch a drawn cut scene and a potential plot and uh, furthermore, there's future games, uh, like I said, I'm not going to name, but um, there's not a mu- there's un- unfortunately not much we can do as gamers, because most gamers are pieces of shit, um, and most of the Twitter discourse now is going back and forth between, do these games look like shit, oh, what is Sony doing, oh, blah, 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 or like, this looks super cool, or ha, 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 this, that, um, but yeah, absolutely devastating for them i feel for them i really do and um yeah just uh please uh be sensitive and keep in mind what these devs are going through but yeah i mean so much personal information linked full-on builds of wolverine playable people are just playing it which is what and um yeah their entire roadmap for like the next 12 years so um heart goes out to insomniac once again i know you guys will bounce back and i know the team and you know playstation obviously and sony overall supports the studio quite a bit so i think they'll come with uh creative ways to tackle the future games that have been leaked here on how to announce them and whatnot but again it's not going to go into further details than that but uh, just an overview of everything that kind of got leaked from a general overhead basis and uh the reason i did that is just to signify the importance and the amount of detail that did get leaked um so very very unfortunate now shifting more gears uh aside from playstation news huge microsoft news uh, microsoft announces more xbox leadership changes as activision's bobby Kotick finally fucking departs fuck you bobby that's all i gotta say about him Especially stepping down on December 29th of 2023 of this year. 
Microsoft has not appointed a direct replacement. Instead, has rolled a suit of uh, Activision Blizzard executives, including Blizzard, Blizzard president Mike Ybarra, Activision publishing president Rob Kostick, and Activision Blizzard vice chair Thomas Tipple, under Microsoft's game content and studios president Matt Booty. So Matt Booty will be overseeing Activision Blizzard as a whole, it seems, with those executives right behind him. Uh, Codex departure comes after two months after some big Xbox leadership changes. Big Xbox leadership changes. Pardon me. I'm tired, man. Usually I record these podcasts on the weekend. I'm all ready to go for the subsequent show following Friday. I'm doing this one on a Wednesday after work because, yeah, just... um, yeah, I'm just bad with time, but uh, bear with me. But yeah, comes two months after some big Xbox leadership changes that saw Sarah Bond promoted to Xbox president, leading all the Xbox platform and hardware work, and Matt Booty promoted to president of game and content studios, including overseeing Bethesda and ZeniMax Studios. Now Booty's getting even more responsibilities with Bethesda, Activision, Blizzard, and Xbox Game Studios all under his watch. So three big publishers with like... You know, dozens and dozens of devs under the umbrella of the three. So Matt Booty's got his plate full. Uh, Microsoft's largely keeping the leadership team of Activision Blizzard in place, with some executive level exceptions. Uh, Chief Communications Officer uh, Lulu Missouri will leave the company at the end of January, and uh, Humam uh, Sakini, Vice Chairman, will also depart at the end of December. And a number of Activision Blizzard executives will depart in March too. Um, Brian uh, Bellato. Chief uh, Administration Officer Julie Hodges, Chief People Officer Armin Zerza, Chief Financial Officer, and Grant Dixton, Chief Legal Officer, are all reporting to their Microsoft Gaming equivalents. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what's going on there. Uh, Phil Spencer shot off, shot off a full internal memo earlier today, um, which we'll get into in a bit here. But uh, Microsoft's still kind of finding ways how to integrate and Activision Blizzard into an expanded Microsoft gaming business. And uh, with Matt Booty now taking more responsibility than ever before, it'll be interesting to see how they fit Activision Blizzard into their Xbox portfolio. Um, obviously, a lot of Xbox slash PC uh, Game Pass fans are now waiting to hear from Microsoft on its plan to add Activision Blizzard games to the Xbox uh, Game Pass. Uh, Phil Spencer previously blamed the deal's long regulatory process for not having a back catalog of Activision Blizzard games available in Game Pass. Warning, we'd have to wait until 2024 for news on game editions. Um, and Activision Blizzard also revealed on X, ahead of the Microsoft deal closing, that Modern Warfare 3 and Diablo 4 won't be coming to Game Pass this year. Uh, but 2024 is just around the corner. Um, so I think Xbox will start adding, especially with Matt Booty now running the round, helm. I think... Uh, Start seeing a lot of Activision Blizzard games on the Game Pass, which uh, whether you love uh, Bobby Kotick or hate him, well, probably more on the hate side, and uh, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard Studio as a whole, that's definitely going to drive up the value of the Game Pass, given that you know the prices and what they're offering now remains all where it is constant. Um, having that COD backlog, having the new CODs yearly on there, Diablo 4. You know, future StarCraft or Overwatches or whatever they do, um, it is quite big. You know, we also have Crash IP and Tony Hawk IP and among other things. So, 
It is big. But uh, Phil Spencer's full internal memo basically just says, uh, you know, Bobby Kotick formally announced that, you know, he's leaving on December 29th. You know, his team created many beloved franchises such as Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush Saga, yada, yada, yada. He thanks them. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned, some of the executives before uh, from Blizzard, Act, Act, uh, Activision Blizzard will remain in place. No change to the structure of how the studios and business units are run. And with that, Matt Booty overseeing it all now. So uh, for most people, he says the day-to-day work will remain the same. It's still business as usual and bringing more groundbreaking experiences to players around the world at the leadership level. <clears throat> These changes will provide the clarity and accountability that is necessary to achieve our ambitious goals. Foster a culture that is welcoming, empowering, and committed to gaming for everyone. Um, and these are, you know, these press releases often, you know, follow the same kind of business language. But I think uh, the language expressed here, the gaming for everyone especially, is very critical given what we've heard coming out of the studio in the past in regards to Activision Blizzard. So I hope Xbox can turn around the culture in that sense. Um, he says, we have an exciting 2024 lineup of games across Activision, Bethesda, Blizzard, King, and Xbox Game Studios. And I know that we all look forward to sharing more details with our player communities when the time is right. Uh, and then Matt Booty also sent off an eternal memo. Uh, pretty much, I'm just going to recap. He just says, you know, thanks all you know all the executives and leadership people that are going to be now reporting under his watch while they remain uh, in their company structure. It says he's excited for 2024 and our slates of games over the next 18 months is looking strong. Together, we can create amazing, memorable experiences for our players built in a culture that empowers everyone to be their most authentic selves and do their best work. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Sony kind of following this uh, single-player formula that's working for them. Um, one thing I will give credit Xbox... One one thing I'll give credit to Xbox for, it seems like um, with all their studio investment, the games that they're announcing that they're looking at a more uh, portfolio approach, and you saw that with the surprise release of Hi-Fi Rush earlier this year, Forza, Starfield, etc. Um, now we just need them to release and get them coming, you know, and uh, we'll see what they can do. Well, that kind of wraps up the gaming news that was on top of the agenda for me. Um, stay tuned, though. Um, after this, we'll be talking about my Steam year in review. Um, this, my PlayStation one was pretty very minimal, and the Nintendo one was pretty much Tears of the Kingdom and Splatoon, as I mentioned, started the podcast. So we'll touch bases on that, and also touch bases on some other games I kind of been uh, trying out lately. Uh, the finals being one, as I promised previously, uh, Lethal Company, and uh, Grand Blue Fantasy vi- uh, versus Rising, uh, GBVSR. Yeah, Grand Blue uh, versus Fantasy Rising. Hopefully I didn't get that backwards the first time, but if I did, I apologize. And more. So stay tuned. So, shifting focus completely from the gaming news, sorry. I just like to explore those things and kind of let people informed, you know, like if you're using this as an informative gaming podcast, I do want to cover those things. So, bear with me for that's not really what you're here for. But now we're going to get into more of the fun stuff. Gilly's Team Year in Review 2023. So, quick overview. Apparently, I played 24 games, 17 new ones, uh, 82% with controller. So, I don't even know why I really have PC as my platform of choice when I only use the keyboard and mouse 80% of the time. Anyhow, 
um, some top games here. Uh, most most uh, according to what games you play, the Spider Graph shows two point five TD three D fighter, cyberpunk, puzzle platformer, precision platformer, and word games. Sure, man. Probably just a little bit of tech and hours I put into this year kind of put that towards that. And maybe uh, Steam is considering Party Animals to be a 3D fighter of some sorts as well. So maybe that's why the spider web is looking this way. Regardless, uh, you know, top played game of the year, it was Elden Ring. I did buy this last summer. Hopped into it for like about two or three hours. Never touched it again. Waited, waited, waited. And then uh, finally played it this year. Uh, 50% of, 57% of my total playing time in the Elden Ring was in February. And the following 43% in March. Got through the game in those two months. Um, the game took up 22% of my total playtime time for the year. Had 28 sessions. And had a six-day streak consecutively playing the game. Got 33 achievements, which is pretty much fighting all the bosses that had achievements. Like the main bosses, including the secret ones. And, um, you know, Elden Ring hasn't really been something I've talked about much before, but, um, quite the experience. I don't know if I mentioned, uh, my first From Software game was Bloodborne. Probably not the best choice for their first From Software game. It was a difficult game. It was 30 FPS, obviously. Everyone knows that. And, um, I streamed it. I, I suffered. And I had people uh, kind of help me in, help me up, help me out with the co-op and whatnot. So I kind of cheesed that game. But regardless, it's a fucking great game. It's, um, you know, following that, I played Dark Souls 3 completely on my own. No co-op there at all. So um, got through that, got through all the main bosses and whatnot. So that's dope. So Dark Souls 3 was the second From Software game. And then third um, was Elden Ring. And I think out of the three, um, if there's one From Software game I would recommend over anything else, definitely would be Elden Ring, just due to the open world nature of it. If you find a boss or an area too difficult, hey, you can bounce out and do something else and cheese or level up. To explore the, the grand map and you know all of the intricacies of the little dungeons and whatnot and the underground world and yada 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 but there's the freedom of choice is what make elden ring difficulty and i think that's what kind of you know the game is still hard but because you have that freedom to go around and come back to areas and whatnot i think it makes it a more accessible and fun experience and um, you know essentially it's dark dark souls in an open world which kind of speaks for itself that's why it sold as well as it did and received the critical acclaim it did. And um, I wasn't a believer at first. That's why initially when I played it last, in the summer of 2022, I was like, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? That's all it is. Just Dark World's open world. But when I finally sat down and started getting through it in February and March of this year, I was like, okay, dope, 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 dope. So uh, the tagline Twitch has for me is you and Melania have a relationship, a toxic, abusive relationship. <laughs> Fuck that boss. But, um, Elden Ring, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I do look forward to the expansion slash DLC in 2024. I'm excited to see what From Software does next. I know they came out with Armored Core, which um, maybe I'll try it someday, just not on my radar, not really, not like, wow, that game looks fun, I need to play that to stick out to me. But 
more in the souls born like genre i'm excited to see what they can do next um i think they have to switch it up you know obviously they took dark souls and made it open world Elden Ring and it worked and it worked very well and I thoroughly enjoyed it but I think they're going to have to switch up the formula a little bit regarding this genre I think they will they always do they always find a way but Elden Ring top game uh, second was Cyberpunk 2077 23% played in October and 77% of it played in November and uh, again I talked about this. I was talking about the Game Boy nominees. Um, if you haven't played Phantom Liberty, go play it. Um, it is that good. Um, I don't think, like I said, the 2.0 update or now 2.1 or whatever they're at is enticing enough for me to go through the whole entire main story again. Who knows? Maybe one day because I'm already feel like I'm already having the itching feeling of going back into the world. I don't know why because this is a game I did not like when it originally released in 2020. Or it didn't live up to my expectations. I think I gave it like a 6 out of 10 or whatever. But um, I, I'm starting to feel kind of feel that itch. But I have so much in my backlog. And so many future games that are coming out that I probably won't. But yes. If you've not played Phantom Liberty, go check it out. Awesome. 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 Third on the list was Party Animals. Uh, 80% of this was played in September. I played a lot of it in release. 20% October. And I haven't touched it since. I haven't touched it in two months. Um, I thought this game obviously would have more longevity. I think it will still. But I think it's going to be kind of be that party game that friends kind of hop on and play occasionally from time to time. Um, like I said, the matchmaking is fun. It's a fun game overall, just sweaty. And, um, you know, they took their sweet time releasing this game and it didn't ship out with X amount of maps. Um, but obviously some of the 4v4 game modes are not everyone's cup of tea, the sports modes and stuff like that. And that's kind of what fleshed out the rest of the map selection here. Um, but still a fun game. Check it out. Uh, don't let the Steam review bombs initially that occurred bug you. Um, another honorable mention here. Since um, I mentioned Sony and Nintendo. I did have an Xbox here in review as well. But uh, that was just Starfield. on the Because I got the Game Pass just for September. And then hopped on Starfield. Ran through that game before I started my new job. And uh, played that. So... Sonoro mentioned just, you know, recapping everything that I kind of touched this year. Um, about 44, 45 hours on that. And that's doing the main quest and all the faction quests. So, um, I guess, for the, I guess you know, I did play a lot of new releases this year. Um, aside from Elden Ring, um, Phantom Liberty was new. Party Animals was new. Starfield, Tears of the Kingdom, whatnot. Uh, but back to the Steam and uh, review here. So, Party Animals is the third game. Uh, Vampire Survivors was the fourth. 100% of total play time in January. I think I played a bit of this in December as well. Um, if you've not played Vampire Survivors and you're a gamer, just play it. That's all I got to say, man. It's a roguelike, bullet hell, survival game. I'm sure you've heard of it. I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen, you know, it's cheap as fuck. There's a bunch of DLC out that I have not checked out yet, which I probably should. Just go play it. All I can say. So I'm glad to see that made the list. Fifth game on my fifth game on my list here is Outer Outer World Spacer's Choice Edition, and uh, 69 percent of the time, 69 by the way, nice. Sorry, decided to throw that joke in there. 69 percent of it played in August, and the remaining 31 percent of it in September. I really was uh, kind of just playing this game 
to get prepared for Starfield. And uh, my buddy Ricky was able to provide me a code for the Outer Worlds. And uh, I respect Obsidian as a game studio as well. So shout out to Ricky. Shout out to Obsidian. And ultimately, I enjoyed this game as much as I did Starfield. And take that as you will, whether that's good or bad. But I played this game in prepping for Starfield, thinking Starfield is going to be like this game, but 10 times more in terms of the polish and the detail and like how expansive it was going to be. And obviously, they have this big studio budget behind them compared to Obsidian uh, pre Microsoft acquisition. So we'll see what their budgets look like now with the uh, Xbox Game Studios funding. But I enjoyed this game just much as Starfield. Um, obviously, it's smaller in scope, less planets, all that. Um, but I think overall, it had better dialogue and cooler characters, and it, it was neat. Not the perfect. The gameplay is a little boring. It's not the best Obsidian game, right? It's not. It's not no New Vegas or Pillars of Eternity or anything like that. But um, still fun. So I played that as well. My most played time was in the winter, January, February, March, and then. September, October, November, with the summer months kind of being less played, which makes sense because it's summer. But also doesn't make sense to me because I was unemployed. But, you know, anyway. But yeah, top five games being Elden Ring, taking 20% of my total play time. Cyberpunk, which is pretty much Phantom Liberty, 14%. Part Animals taking up 13%. Vampire Survivors taking up 11%. And then the Outer Worlds, Bracer Choice Edition taking up 9%. So, top five of the year for the Steam. Looking uh exploring the rest of the games I played, that was the top five. Um, Red Dead 2, which is for RP purposes. Remember earlier in the year I checked out Undisputed, which was made by Indie Studio, being a, a Fight Night kind of spiritual successor. Was very hyped for it, bought it. Um, did have a little bit of fun with it, but it just wasn't quite Fight Night. And it had a lot of uh, kind of just clunkiness to it. And um, just some weird uh, ga- uh, gameplay pacing and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, if you're interested in boxing games, it's probably the best thing you'll get on PC right now. And it's only on PC because it's an early access, no consoles for Undisputed. So check that out. Played a bit of Battle Bit Remastered, which is a fun game. Just not, you know, just that style. Just didn't hook me in in the long term. But Battle Bit Remastered, if you're a Battlefield fan, go check it out. It's probably the best Battlefield in years. And it's not even a real Battlefield game. It's Battle Bit made by an indie team. Played Hollow Curse Save Defense. It's just simply because it kind of looked like the VTuber anime version of Vampire Survivors. That's essentially what it was. And I, I put a couple hours on this game. Nothing too crazy, but um, enough to get some achievements and beat three bosses and whatnot. But it is a fun game and it's free to play. So if you're looking for another, you know, well, first play Vampire Survivors. And if you're looking for more cutesy you know, VTuber anime girl kind of version of that game. Check out Hollow Cure. Uh, and it's out, and outside of the bullet hell survival like gameplay, um, you know, you can do the Hollow House stuff, which is like, you know, running a garden, having workers, harvest the plants, and you do fishing. It's just nice and relaxing. So um also played the original Fallout this year. Didn't beat it, but just wanted to see what Fallout was like before it became this big 3D phenomenon it did with 3. And that was an interesting game. Super hard, though. Um, another pleasure I had this year was finally playing both Inside and Limbo. Uh, both games made by the same devs with Limbo coming out first, then Inside. Um, if you're looking for super creative indie platformers with some of the best artwork I've seen, ever um limbo and inside i'd recommend both both have a very unique um 
identity to them right away you know it's you know limbo and inside um checking the dev team behind it sorry i gotta visit the store page real quick play dead um i wonder what they make next because it's all they have is inside of limbo and limbo inside was released back in 2016 and limbo was released back in 2011 so i wonder what what they're cooking up if they're even cooking up anything but you know if you're a gamer in general man kind of just like how vampire survivors was you just you just owe yourself to play those two titles if you're not yet and if you're a platforming fan then you really have zero excuse but to check those out uh what else did i play first time played some tekken 7 uh played some cart rider drift which was disappointing played Downwell, which is an interesting take on the roguelike genre so uh this is more like a indie game we're just going downward and you have to like dodge the obstacles coming in your way and stuff like that. And it's fucking hard. But if you're looking for an interesting, unique spin on the roguelike genre, I'd recommend uh, Downwell. Uh, Scribble It, which is pretty much just like Scribble. Uh, tried out some Halo Infinite just to see what all the you know updates and stuff were. Still not my cup of tea. Um, and yeah, recently I tried out Lethal Company in the finals. I haven't played enough of both games to give a full uh, opinion on. I guess I can give an opinion on the finals based on the beta, but I think I should have played the base game more. But what I did play with Lethal Company uh, was, was a group of friends, four four man squad, and I do recommend having a four, at least minimum three or four person squad to play Lethal Company. Man, it's a fun game. It really is. It's um if you enjoyed Phasmophobia but didn't just didn't enjoy like the concept of it just being paranormal investigators but you like the idea of playing kind of like a game that you'll laugh and be scared about all in one package Lead the company is it you know you're just like these space explorers pretty much um working for this big corporation kind of just uh selling your soul out to the corporation just working for them recklessly kind of reminds me of a lot of people in their everyday jobs a little bit of a touch of reality there in the theme of the game. But uh, yeah, you have to collect scrap, bring it back to your ship and sell it. Um, but the issue is here, the scrap is in like these uh, lethal planets and these weird little dark corridors and buildings and abandoned manuf- uh, factories and stuff like that. So that's the horror element. And uh, you see one of your friends do see uh, <laughs> the unfortunate death and whatnot. Some of that shit could be fucking hilarious. So I highly recommend Lethal Company. And uh, Finals, like I said, I played the beta more than I have the base game so far. But um, how do I explain the Finals, man? It's kind of like the COD's Plunder mode with the with the Halo's multi-team format. Like the 3v3v3v3. With the kind of like Battlefield uh, Bad Company Destruction, which makes sense because it is X-Dice developers. What's trying to make a high-paced game like like a like a Overwatch or I don't know a Quake or Fort you know something like something along those lines, but the movement is also Battlefield like, so it doesn't really translate as well to what they're trying to go for, which is this high-paced heist FPS. Uh, but regardless, if that funky mix of games is what sounds interesting to you or you're just a shooter fan in general that sort of thing i would recommend trying it out it is free and obviously the game's using the free to play model 
with hopes of uh, high monetization via cosmetics and battle pass purchases and whatnot. Did have a strong launch. I forgot how many concurrent players I had at Steam at one point. I want to say it was like 250k plus. Checked earlier today, it was around 120, 130k. And that's not good. That's not in console players. So you know, there's interest there. We'll see the longevity of it. Um, I think that the two game modes they have available plus the turn- tournament style, which is kind of like the ranked mode, um, will not be enough for the longevity of the title because needs to be more than just cashing out vaults and whatnot i think but like i said if you're looking for an fps a little bit a little bit little di- a little bit different but feels familiar and that's the finals um and then a couple other games but don't really need to don't really need to be uh touched upon or anything so that's kind of my 2023 gaming wise at least <laughs> so on this week's Have You Played This, um, I mentioned in the you know in previous episodes we talked about the Scarface, the world is yours. Also talked about Spawn Armageddon, both licensed games that were kind of overlooked and underrated to be honest, because they were fun to me in my nostalgic glasses. <laughs> but today we're gonna talk about another licensed game, um, also overlooked and underrated, and I kind of thought about it after I saw. Bethesda Arcane Reveal Blade. And it also follows suit with, uh, you know, Scarface being a badass, um, but not quite a superhero. Um, but Spawn being the super cool badass superhero. And also, you know, Blade being this cool, super badass superhero. You know, no more mature, you know, violent, kind of gory type of uh, works and whatnot. The Punisher. I'm not talking about the Netflix series that got that got canned, which was phenomenal, by the way. And I'm not talking about the movie that came out back in the early 2000s. I forgot it was 2004 or five now, with uh, Tom Jane and uh, John Travolta. Also, an underrated and overlooked movie. If you haven't seen The Punisher, I enjoyed quite a bit. Seen it multiple times. It's got Kevin Nash in it, so shout out to shout out to Big Kev Diesel. So if you've not seen the movie, go check it out. But there was a game as well during the PS2 Xbox era simply titled The Punisher. And uh, for the previous Have You Played This, I kind of pulled up the fact sheet a little bit on the games. But uh, I don't think I need it for The Punisher. Um, you know, uh, maybe I can pull it up just to see who the dev team was. But um, it was like this third-person linear shooter game. Um, not in the same vein as how Spawn Armageddon was or anything like that, because Spawn Armageddon was more and the Devil May Cry lens kind of things. This was more of a third-person shooter action-adventure game. Kind of like a Max Payne slash Gears of War before Gears of War. Came out in 2005, sorry. Um, but obviously not that quite level of polish and uh, budget and you know quality, but still fun. And it was actually uh, vol. It was actually developed by Volition. Don't know who Volition is. Um, they're behind the Red Faction series, which went from FPS to a third-person shooter over the years, which um, confused me. But I played the original Red Faction quite a bit with my friends in person land. 
which came out in 2001, which was one of the very first games I got on the PS2. But yeah, that was a first-person shooter, and they followed up by Red Faction 2. And then uh, they came out with The Punisher. Then they came out with Saints Row. So the OG Saints Row developers, Saints Row 1 and 2. Then Red Faction Guerrilla and Armageddon, where they put uh, Red Faction third person. And they came out with Saints Row the third, Saints Row 4. Agents of Mayhem. And uh, finally, the rebooted Saints Row of last year. So over time, uh, Volition kind of fell off, I guess, in a better you know, nowadays terms. But uh, nevertheless, a solid portfolio of games that I all pretty much enjoyed other than the recent uh, reboot of Saints Row and Agents of Mayhem. And even Saints Row 4 was a little wacky, but, you know, the three Saints Row games, the Red Faction games, they didn't really get to... I played Grilla a bit, but I never really played Armageddon. So I haven't played the third-person Red Faction games too much, but I did play the shit out of Red Faction 1 and 2, the original uh, FPS on the PS2. But they did make The Punisher, and it was published by THQ, which makes sense, because most of their games were published by THQ, all the same throw and Red Factions and whatnot as well, uh, until recent times where Deep Silver kind of took over, starting from Saints Row 4. But um, yeah, man, they made it, man. They made Punisher, Marvel Comics anti-hero, of course. If anyone knows the plot of Punisher, it's not really a spoiler, it's kind of just like the plot of his backstory anyways, you know, his family's murdered by the mafia, and then Frank Castle, like, the Punisher, devotes his life to punish these criminals, hence the Punisher. Um, and just like the movie, Thomas Jane does reprise his role as Frank Castle, the Punisher, in the game as well, which is cool to get that voice acting license. Uh, many cameras in the game, I remember there was Iron Man, Nick Fury, Kingpin, I think Matt Murdock, which is Daredevil, right? a few others um a little bit of exploration but mostly linear combat uh you know and you can attack and you can do one button quick kills um there's numerous fatal assaults um there's also the environment kind of had these interrogation hotspots where like you can interrogate your enemies like you know the death threats and torture and whatnot you know forcing them to share information that might help you um and uh at the end of the level you also get punished or your score gets a minus for shooting innocent people or killing innocent people because obviously he's punishing the criminals that did him wrong or the society wrong. Hence why he's an anti-hero. Even though his methods might be brutal, he's uh, doing, doing it from the good of his heart. So, um, reading more about it here, the game ended up did selling around 1 million copies, which isn't a lot, but it was profitable because I'm guessing Marvel at the time licensed it for pretty cheap compared to what The Punisher would be licensed to now. And they also probably thought it was a way to promote the movie at the time as well, right? So, um, makes sense to me. And, um, there's a lot of torture and gore. I probably shouldn't have played it as a kid, but hey. Um, and there, then that was kind of the controversy of the game. It originally had adult only rating, um, similar to how Manhunt 2, because, um, you know, the interrogations and the tortures and all that stuff. Uh, but they ended up revising the game to make sure they hit that mature rating but yeah like i said i know it's hard to find ps2 xboxes nowadays but i think there is a windows version available of the game too if you can somehow find it but yeah if you're looking for like a third person action adventure game that's who plays the badass punisher kind of in the vein of max Payne, 
manhunt kind of gory shooter third person shooter i recommend the punisher i enjoyed it quite a bit and uh, he's actually one of my favorite marvel characters of all time so um you know when i thought of marvel's the blade getting announced recently i was like oh yeah didn't they make the wasn't, the, wasn't there a punisher game so i'm hoping this opens up the window to maybe the punisher and daredevil for that matter being uh possibilities for future games as well just don't know who would quite make the punisher it'd be sick oh now my brain's rolling as i'm recording this podcast bear with me it'd be sick if remedy kind of took control of the punisher yeah or even the coalition the gears of war devs now that'd be fucking sick talk about you know like how microsoft got the blade for arcane if they're able to get the licensing rights of the punisher you have the coalition Woo. that would be fire but yeah that's uh this this week's have you played this game the punisher uh you know underrated overlooked license game from that same ps2 era once again so make sure to check it out or at the very least youtube and see what it's kind of like so that's kind of episode five talked a little bit about last of us online insomniac leaks bobby kotick kind of my 2023 year of gaming um my little call to action here i don't like to you know go overboard on this but um if you do listen to the podcast and you enjoy it please tell a friend word of mouth goes a long way um, whatever you're listening on, whether it be Spotify or Apple or any other streaming podcast directory like Podbean or whatever else, YouTube, right? Um, just give it a like. goes a long way. I would appreciate it. Um, or leave a rating, I should say, on the Spotify and Apple side of things. And, um, you know, follow the Twitter at uh, DigitalDownPod. Once again, that's digital down pod again that helps me a bunch um also going to be uh restructuring my discord to be more uh focused on the podcast so whenever you see the link tree on for the for the digital downtime podcast which you'll find anywhere when i share it on my personal twitter Aguilie pg or the digital down pod twitter or wherever else um i'll make sure to put the discord link there and i'll also Make a separate post about it. But yeah, you can also join the Discord. Um, you can hop in there. Um, you know, we have many different various chats you can uh, participate in. And then I'll, it'll also be used kind of as feedback for the podcast. Uh, if you have any podcast ideas, you can discuss them there. I'll look into them. Any questions or answers you have about you have for me, about me, or about my thoughts on anything gaming, and also, I figured it'd be good for future guests and whatnot who will be coming on the stream. Good place uh, for them to kind of hop in. And we can just have a voice channel there for the podcast. Also, a good way for fans to ask their questions to any of the, the guests that do come along. So we will do that on the Discord end. Um, but yes, like I said, word of mouth is, is, is key. Um, so make sure to please tell a friend. Leave a rating. Leave a like on the YouTube follow the twitter again digital down pod um follow the uh you know subscribe to the youtube 
And, um, you know, if you want to be more in touch with me, just follow me at Gilly PG. That's G-I-L-L-I-E-P-G on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, uh, YouTube. Uh, recently made a TikTok, so we'll be doing some things on there, hopefully. I'm try- I'll try to think of some ideas. That's also Gilly PG. So, uh, a little of, uh, call of action there. So I do appreciate it. Uh, bear with me through that. Again, um, if you're looking to be a guest on the podcast, best way to reach out is on the Twitter. Uh, you can also reach me at digital downtime podcast at gmail.com altogether. So again, uh, digital downtime podcast at gmail.com. If you're looking to be a guest on the show, uh, and also, uh, it might not be the biggest podcast yet. Uh, but if you're looking, we are looking for advertisers slash sponsors. So if you are interested in that sense as well, you know, again, hit me up on Twitter or shoot an email off, whatever prefers, whatever works for you, whatever you prefer sort of thing. Um, and 2024, um, like I said, hoping to expand, um, you know, get some guests on here, whether they be fellow gamers and talk about topics that are important to them. The biggest thing for me is I really want to start um, interviewing de- devs. So obviously it's going to be like independent studio devs and whatnot, but that's something I really want to get down into in 2024 and uh, kind of talk to them and get their perspective on things. And then also streamers as well, just so we can talk about the linkage between gaming and content creation. If content creation even, you know, is Twitch even, you know, really revolved around gaming, we all know it isn't anymore, but still, there's a, a wide array of streamers slash YouTubers that you know, do promote games. So, obviously, want to talk to them as well. And, um, yeah, just keep on doing bigger and better things. We'll love to grow the fuck out of the podcast as much as possible. Um, if you know me personally or you've been following me for a while, you know, I stream and I've done YouTube videos in the past, gaming reviews, music, and whatnot. But I think, uh, moving forward, I'm going to. St- you know, especially with working and stuff now, I'm going to focus more on the podcast and really get it to the place that I want it to be. Uh, and I just want it to grow. Um, you know, right now the podcast is growing, you know, I'll start off from like, you know, ten, you know, like eight to 10 listeners first episode to now about 25, 30. So there's, you know, I'm seeing the gradual growth there and I would like to grow it more. Um, I'm very transparent with the numbers. So, you know what I mean? There's no reason for me to lie to you or, and I want to stay transparent, right? You know, even if one day magically, let's say we have, you know, a thousand viewers per episode, I'll be open about that because it's, it's open. And then it's, it's, it's just easier for guests to see this, uh, you know, where the podcast is at, you know, how it helps them to promote their games or ideas or whatnot, and also sponsors and whatnot as well. So um, all that funky stuff for sure. So again, I wish you guys a happy holidays. Spend it with your loved ones. Do some fun things. Um, And of course, there will be another episode. The last episode of 2023. um, The last Friday of the year, which is December 29th. So we're not quite done. But yeah. Again, this was episode 5 of Digital Downtime. I'm your host, Gilly. See you guys next week.